1: Happy Nation. What's going on? It's Recruiting Hour here at the Irish Breakdown Podcast. want to thank you all so much. Before we get going here, you can like, share, subscribe to this podcast, hit that notification bell if you're listening to us on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are very much appreciated. We're going to be talking a lot of recruiting today because we just had the biggest recruiting weekend of the year for the Clemson game, which... Uh, if you're not on the board, on the board at at me and Sean have put together an intel piece over the weekend that was just updated earlier this morning about uh, pretty much a, a large volume of players that we've been able to get in touch with, people around them, so other sources to kind of feel how feel out how the recruiting weekend went. Obviously, for this massive victory over Clemson this past weekend, thirty five to fourteen, so impactful weekend. Also have a surprise interview for you all in the second part of this podcast. And then we'll finish up with the mailbag. I know there's a ton of questions already in the podcast here and uh, in the live chat. And we thank you all so much. I've been starring before we even start this podcast. I've been starring questions. I am Ryan Roberts, director of scouting here at IrishBreakdown.com, Joined by Mr. Sean Davis, of course, recruiting analyst. So questions, throw them in the chat. We'll be getting to those later on, Sean. But uh, I mean, look, man, first and foremost... We're obviously here to do a job, right? We cover recruiting. We try to do it to the best of our abilities. I feel like we're doing a pretty darn good job. But at the core, man, at the core, we are Notre Dame fans, right? That's yes. At the core. And uh, Notre Dame just had a huge win last this past weekend, 35-14. The best win that I can remember in my lifetime, if I'm be completely honest, man. Like, you dominated a number four team in the country convincingly. You won by three scores, and if anybody watched the football game, wasn't even that close. So, Sean – Brian on the message board said, you know, usually you get 24 hours to kind of enjoy a victory. He changed yeah. it to 72 just because it's been such a dramatic victory. My question to you to get this podcast started before we get really dive into recruiting, has it, uh, has it, has it worn off on you, man? You still enjoying it a little bit? Heck or you, no.
2: Uh, <laughs> Heck no. Heck no. My chest is out even further. I'm talking that, you hear me? I'm, I'm, dude, I'm so, I think talking to the recruits kept us, kind of engaged like we didn't really have or haven't had an opportunity to really decompress because we've been in constant contact with recruits and their parents you know ever since the game ended and by it ended so late it kind of went over to Sunday and Sunday night when most of them really were able to get back to us no I'm, I'm still high. it was like one of the greatest highs that a football game has ever given me as a Notre Dame fan and I don't know when I'll come down yeah. I, I just don't. I don't I don't know when I'll come down. And, look, this could not have gone any better. There is no Hollywood script that could have (laughs) scripted out this weekend for the program and recruiting Yes, better than this weekend went. I promise you, like, the adjectives that we have received from commits, targets, 23, 24, 25.
1: It's getting real, man. I mean, we have so much to talk about because like you said, as if Notre Dame winning wasn't great enough, right? Yeah. I, I was actually – we were on the live show until almost 3 o'clock in the morning, my time, but then yeah. the clock got pushed back. So it was like, oh, it's only 2. I'm like, no, no, yeah. we were on here for three hours. Like, We were on here for three hours. I promise. So it's uh, – it, and that was one of those times though where I'm like, I want to stay on, man. Like I don't want to get off of here. Like, cool. I'm just enjoying it, man. I'm just yeah. enjoying it as a fan – it was fantastic, and like you said, being able to talk to these recruits before, during, and after this recruiting weekend—I mean, because I got a great vibe of like the kids that were coming in, you know, excited to see them play clamps and all that good stuff. It was like elation. It was like everyone was like, it was it was almost nostalgia, and it was weird because I'm like, it can't be a nostalgia because you're not reliving anything, right? But like these guys yeah. were just in a state where I'm just like, you had the best weekend of your life, and I've yeah. heard. I heard things that were like electric, most best best visits that I've ever taken in my life. Like, like a bunch of hyperbolic things, but you like you felt the energy when yeah. they were telling you, right? So I will say this again. We talked about this. Me and Sean have been working diligently over the last couple of days, getting you as much recruiting intel as possible. We're gonna hit a lot of it today, but if you want to go for even more intel, boards at Irish We had Long list of just instant reactions. So it was, uh, yeah, it was memorable, man. And uh, again, we'll be hitting a lot of the visitors from this past weekend. We'll be talking about the particulars to their visits, how it went, what this means. We'll be talking a little bit also about what the overall class is going to potentially look like. Mm -hmm. Now, finishing, because we're only a few weeks from, from from the first signing day, Sean. So, I mean, this class is... You're sitting at 23. Only a couple spots left in the class. So, I mean, the energy around the program right now, this is what we've been waiting for, right? The Freeman era. This is it. This is what we have been waiting for. So great weekend, Sean. Let's get into some of the key takeaways that we've had. So a lot to get into here, folks. So if you want some intel, some recruiting intel. You're in the right place. You're in the right place here. So, John, I think what everyone and I've already seen a couple people ask about it, and it's like, come on, man, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it, of course. But people want to know about the Bowens visiting Notre Dame this weekend, right? So, not talking about Drake Bowen because he's there every single weekend. We should expect that at this point, right? Out of in Indiana, like he's there. Drake basically has a bunk bed in the in the team house. Like he's always there. The two Bowens, though, that everyone wanted to hear how things went from were Peyton Bowen, of course, 2023 safety commit in the class, and Eli Bowen, 2024 cornerback targets for Notre Dame. And the reason that people want to know so much is that there's been a lot of things said about this recruitment, right? A lot of things said, especially about Peyton. You know, how committed is he? He's taking visits. What does this mean for Notre Dame? Is he going to go play with his brother? There's a lot of question marks. And we've kind of been pretty firm as far as we felt like going into the visit that he was very solid to Notre Dame. And the whole thing with the brother is like they've always been up front as far as like Peyton's going to go with Eli on, on visits. Like it's just going to happen, right? It's going to happen. And they have talked in the past about potentially playing together on the next level, but that isn't like a foregone conclusion, right? If it happens, it's nice. It's really nice. It would be awesome. But I, speaking to Eli and speaking to people around the Bowen family and other sources, right, like I don't think that it is like the end-all, be-all package deal for the Bowen family. But the two updates we had on them, Sean, I, I spoke – again, I spoke directly to Eli this morning, and I t- I spoke to a couple people close to the Bowens and other people that were also on the trip this is what I say about Peyton Bowen. Peyton he was very engaged throughout the entire visit. He is very close right now with the Don Schuler, with Christian Gray, the other 2023 defensive backs. And we have heard consistently that, you know, playing video games, group chat, like he's locked in with Notre Dame, man. So I leave this, this visit still feeling very good about Peyton Bowen standing with Notre Dame. Again, like I'm not in the business of predicting how things end, but there is nothing right now for me that says decommitment candidate. Like it's just not there. And there's, and we'll be talking about this a lot until signing day. And if Peyton Bowen does end up with Notre Dame, which I think he will, if he does end up with Notre Dame though, I will have a lot to say about some other media outlets who have been spewing a lot of bad information on this subject. Okay, because you talk to people close to Peyton, the people close to the Bowens, I should say, just in general. And some of these things are just flat out lies that get told about the, about about these about this family, about Peyton Bowen. So Peyton Bowen had a great visit. Sounds like everything went fantastic. Seeing the impact of Notre Dame beating a Clemson team, number four team in the country at home. Yeah. I think it's also like if you need a solidifier, like put that cherry on the top, man. Like that's that's it right there. The other side, though, Sean, <laughs> Eli Bowen. I would love to hear your take on this because this is just my feel on the Eli Bowen recruitment so far. I believe that Eli Bowen is still very open, and I don't think he's in any rush to make a decision. I don't. I also believe, just talking to him directly and talking to other people around him, that does he like Notre Dame? I'd say yeah. He likes Notre Dame. I would say it's it's at the top of his lists as far as like you know if there's a top four, top five, tentatively right. Like Notre Dame's up there for sure. But I will say this: this one's not going to end for a long time. I don't definitely wouldn't say Notre Dame is the leader right now. I would not say that in any regard. I don't think Peyton. I don't think Eli. Excuse me, has a leader. In the recruiting side of things. I think he is feeling this out. I think he's taking it slow. And I don't think he's becoming too attached to a program. I think he's doing his due diligence. He's a very studious kid. He's a very thorough kid in that regard. So from my pulse on Eli Bowen's side of things, I think that he likes Notre Dame, but we're not going to get anything close to a decision anytime in the future. So I I don't have I don't think there's a leader. I don't think there's anything close to a leader right now for Eli
2: Bowen. Uh, I totally agree with you, Ryan. And then you have to think about the perfect storm. That ultimately led to Peyton making his decision to commit to Notre Dame when he did. I I expect Eli to take a little bit more time than Peyton did with his commitment. I think Marcus Freeman becoming the head coach while Notre Dame was already – Notre Dame was already at the top of his list along with the guys that he had a relationship with kind of added to that quick commitment – I tried to time it because I I knew it was coming and I just couldn't time it. But no, hey man, this is real <laughs> life, buddy. This is real life. <laughs> just, and no, I, I have
1: I have literally had Juliet walk into the room while I'm podcasting. So like, you're good, man.
2: You are good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just think you know, to, two totally different instances. Of the support that Eli has, and what he can learn from watching Peyton go through it. It's going to lead to Eli probably taking, being more patient, taking his time. And for Eli, more than anything, it's probably going to be what he sees on the field when it comes to Notre Dame. Like if he sees another Benjamin Morrison, if Christian Gray comes in and follows in Benjamin Morrison's footsteps and has a great year as a youngster and develops, then that's something that Eli can look at as a young cornerback, and say, you know what? There's a track record there. If I right. go there, they can develop me and get to me get me to where I want to be. That's, that's probably the most important thing for him and his connection to Notre Dame, because he knows everything. What, what else does he need to know about Notre Dame? He's been on the visits. His parents love the school. His brother loves the school. He knows the coaches. He's yep. watching the system. Now it's really about What's put out there on the field that's going to make the difference for Notre Dame and the recruitment of Eli baller
1: and someone just said something very interesting, Sean in the chat that i I forgot to star here, but oh no it was Mike Sullivan that said, why wouldn't he wait to see his how his brothers treated at Notre Dame and that's interesting, Mike it actually is because I mean, look Eli Hat will have a very inside look into the program right like you're selling us vision, you're selling us where we're going. But the ability to see kind of what Peyton goes through a little bit maybe at Notre Dame, I think that might be an interesting conversation, Mike. So I think that's a really good point, man. I never really thought about that, if I'm being completely honest, because they're – look, they're only a year apart. They are close brothers. They have a good relationship. There's no doubt about that. But I do think that there's an interesting inside look into what the program can offer if Peyton does end up with Notre Dame, right, and that Eli can kind of take some things from that and get really an inside look. So interesting point by Mike there.
2: I'm gonna say from like a coaching standpoint, like like the transition as a
1: freshman. A coaching standpoint, a player treatment standpoint, like both on the field and off the field, right? Like, how much are they coaching the guys that are you know scout team players early, right? Mm -hmm. Fresh. How do they treat me off the field? Do they you know they 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 sold me as. People to get me to come here. Do they still treat me to this high of a degree and to this standard, even when I'm a part of the program when I've already signed my name on the dotted line? You know, like there's a lot to that. I think. I think that that's interesting conversation. So, yeah, that was that was a really good point, Mike. I really like that one a ton. So. He, so Sean, there wasn't a big crop of twenty twenty three kids on outside of the commits, right? We've talked about the commits that were on campus. We'll get, give you guys a couple little tidbits from a lot of the commits as well in the in uh, in the Notre Dame class. But the big one that was on campus, Sean, and the big one for twenty twenty three that we wanted to kind of hear from. Is we talked about? I talked about this on Friday on a, or on Saturday morning. I recruited I did a little recruiting video. Caleb Smith, who's a wide receiver out of the state of Texas in the 2023 class, was on campus. So the big thing with him was he was committed to Texas Tech, was going to come and make the visit to Notre Dame as a unofficial visit this weekend for Clemson game. Right before he made the trip, he decommitted from Texas Tech, which would make this trip a. Official visits, right? So, Caleb is a player that has a good relationship with Jane Greathouse. When we're talking about Pete, Jane, apparently, has been doing some nice stuff behind the scenes, trying to sell Notre Dame to Caleb Smith. So, Caleb got to campus this weekend. I am told by everything I am hearing that the trip went very well. The fact that he decommitted before the trip tells me, you know, there's obviously some, there's some smoke to that fire, right? Like things are kind of moving in a pretty good direction. So I leave feeling very strongly that Caleb Smith is, I would say Notre Dame is definitely the leader of Caleb Smith. And I think that Notre Notre Dame is definitely, he is definitely a take for Notre Dame. There's no doubt about it. Like this isn't Jocelyn for the last wide receiver spot. Notre Dame wants Caleb Smith in this class. So, had a great weekend from everything we've heard. Notre Dame is selling him, obviously, on the fifth. This is happening very quickly, Sean. But this, it looks like it could potentially be the fifth wide receiver in this class if now they're able to close over the next, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen next few days, next couple weeks. Like, timeline is still a little bit up in the air. But I think Notre Dame is in a great spot with Caleb Smith.
2: And like I said, no better script could have been written for how this weekend played out. Kid comes in off the committing the relationship with the Texas guys that are pretty much two-thirds of what we have in the wide receiver room right now. So that connection is there, similar to the connection with the St. Louis guys on the roster. And then you just lay out this weekend and the impact it had on a kid like Caleb Smith to kind of line up with everything I'm sure Braylon James has told him that Jaden Greathouse has told him. It's like you know what you guys were not steering me wrong. I mean, the only thing that could have been different is seeing Drew maybe throw for like two fifty. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Why we, we didn't need it. So. Yeah. But, and and Sean, the yeah. fact
1: that the, the fact that they didn't need it tells me more about the talent level than anything, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had almost no passing attack during this football game, and you still dominate the number four team in the country by three scores. Like, yeah. that happens, man. Uh, and and I, would, I would just contest that, like, and we'll talk about 2023 quarterback recruiting in the mailbag because there's a couple questions about it. But can you imagine if Notre Dame gets the quarterback position right over the next couple years, right? Yeah. How – good this team could be man like that's legitimate right there like from a development perspective from a recruiting perspective if they get hit on a couple of these cycles right a couple of these next seasons Notre Dame or just hit this offseason you know whether it's transfer portal or whatever getting ha- Tyler Buckner healthy whatever the, the case may be Notre Dame has a chance to be special man so don't undersell yeah. that like they 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 did a lot without a passing attack on Saturday which is pretty pretty wild and, and
2: it's amazing and I would be interested, Ryan, in hearing what is being said to these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because they don't – they're not able to see it. Like Peyton M- – Eli Bowen can see Benjamin Morrison. He can see it. He can see how he's been taught. He can see how he's been developed. Benjamin Morrison talked about what he's taught. been taught led to the two interceptions, right? He said, I was taught here. When I'm in trail, always undercut because you have help over the top. He did it. He got the first pick. He said, I struggled all year with back shoulder throws and getting my head around. I've been working on it. I was coached on it. That led to the second interception in the pick six. He can see it. So when you get a kid like a Jaden Greathouse, who's a great wide receiver, in a season like this, there's really nothing for him to see the point to to say, that's what. That's how they're going to use me. So I, I'm very interested in what's being said by a Tommy Reese, by a Marcus Freeman, by a Chancey Stuckey, you know, moving forward because we heard Marcus Freeman say last week, we're the team we need to be now, but we're not the team that we're going to be. So they have to be saying something to these recruits to say, look, we, we're doing what we have to do right now to win football games. But trust and believe next year mm-hmm. and the year after that, oh, you're going to get the ball. Don't worry about that. We have a plan in place. So that's one of the interesting things. This staff is doing an amazing job without having it to show on the field of being able to give the vision to these recruits and get them to buy in before they even make it to campus.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. And no, it's um, again, what Notre Dame showed on the field, I think was a huge opportunity and they nailed it this weekend, man. They really did. So yeah. Sean, before we get into this, a lot of the 2024 kids, cause there's a lot of guys to go over here. I want to talk about a talking point of 2023 that has a lot of importance moving forward. All right. Yeah. So we have been talking endlessly about what is the final number in 2023 I've maintained 26 to 27. Like I think that that's somewhere in that range. So I think a good talking point is going to be where we are right now. 23 commits in the 2023 class for Notre Dame and what those last couple spots could consist of. Right. And this has a lot of conversation piece to Caleb Smith that we just talked about that visited this week. There's also Khalil Barnes that I'm going to do a little bit of backstory as far as what his visit like looked like this week and figure out what the final class is going to look like. So 2023, 23 commits in the class, Sean. They want a quarterback in this class. We'll talk about this in the mailbag, right? We'll talk about a couple of guys they're talking to. We'll talk about the importance of what they may have seen on Saturday that could help the case. And we'll talk about the timing of everything. Second player offensively that they want is another offensive lineman in 2023 class. We know who this player is that they want to, Sean. We've talked about it, right? They want Christopher Tarek. Illinois offensive lineman. That's what mm-hmm. they want. That's their fifth guy. And I'll say this, Sean. I, we haven't talked about this. I talked to Brian about this on the phone yesterday. The day before, yeah. I just got my eyes finally on Charles Jagasaw's senior tape. Mm. So this is this is my thoughts on Charles Jagasaw. Originally, Sean, ready? Could he play like- right tackle? Yeah, he play right tackle. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Could he be a dominant guard? Yes. Neither one of those things have changed. But he's playing left. T- he played left tackle this this season for Allman. And I will say this, Sean, he looked like a completely different player. Not yes. from a talent perspective because he's incredibly talented. He was always incredibly talented. He looked like a left tackle on film this year, man. Yeah. So now I'm looking here, and not only do I see he could play right tackle, I think that's the left tackle in this class, man. I think it's yeah. He but want to talk about, like, you had big potential as a junior, right? Like that's what I saw as potential long arms, athletic, strong. He's got everything you need, but this season, he looked a lot more controlled. He looked a lot more consistent. Charles Jagasaw is a left tackle in this class. I think, I think that's the guy moving forward, man. So just wanted to make a quick note there to say, because totally people, because Sean, the, the conversation piece is like, well, Christopher Terrick's on a left tackle at the next level. And I'm like, you're correct. But when I watch Jagasaw now, my opinion on how he fits positionally, has mm. completely changed, man, completely changed. Now you can say Charles Jagasaw left tackle, potentially – this is just for a class perspective. It's obviously not going to work out quite like this, right? But left tackle, Charles Jagasaw, right tackle, um, you have uh, Sullivan Absher, and then your your guards are, are Sam Pendleton and maybe Christopher Tarek if you're able to close on him. And then your center show outing. Like that makes sense. It makes such a fits perspective. And if you guys have not seen Charles Jagasaw's film, for the people that like to talk a lot about, you know, kind of the film aspect of everything, and you know that's what I love, go take a look at Charles Jagasaw's senior film. It's really, really good stuff. So that's where we are, quarterback offensive line. This is where the conversation gets fun, Sean, because that takes us to 25. Ready? Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: From sources around the program, people we're talking to, I believe that the number right now is 27 that they're going to get to, right? Like I think that's the number. So the three players that are on the board and they all work together here, and we had a question about this, and this is going to kind of answer that conversation piece. We talked about Caleb Smith, wide receiver out of the state of Texas. We talked – I'm going to talk about in a second Khalil Barnes, defensive back wide receiver out of the state of Georgia – and we have talked a whole lot about Brandon Hillman, the safety rover, what at linebacker, running back out of the state of Virginia. We've talked about the, all three of those players it, it spurts. So this is what it's looking like right now, Sean. I believe that Notre Dame wants Caleb Smith in the class, and then they're going to take one of the two athletes between Khalil Barnes and Brandon Hillman, whoever wants to be a part of the class first is how I'm taking it right now. That's what it's looking like. I will say though, there is some internal conversation about trying to get all three, if they can make the number work. So 27 is the number I'm confident in today, but don't be surprised if at the end of it, if all three players like Notre Dame and want to go to Notre Dame, that Notre Dame doesn't make the number work and gets to 28. That's where we were right now. So, yeah, a lot of talent, man. Well, let's talk this, Sean. I'm going to talk about this, and we'll kind of circle this conversation piece, right? right. Khalil Barnes was in camp, was in town. I had a piece that went out on him yesterday because I got a chance to talk to him over the weekend. Khalil Barnes, Sean, this was – I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he said – I was like, how did the trip go? Damn near perfect, man.
0: <laughs> that, was his, that was it. That was oh. it. No,
2: Whoa. It was like a movie. I'm telling you like a Disney movie this weekend. It really was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, Sean, it was, it was crazy, man. Cause I was like, these kids are, feel, are feeling the elation that I was also feeling during the game, you know? And it's yeah. so Khalil Barnes, and I know you've probably seen a little bit of him, Sean. So he is a player that could play corner at the next level. He could play wide receiver at the next level. From what I've heard, from what I've been told is that Notre Dame likes him, or sources close to Notre Dame, I should say, likes him on both sides of the ball to a degree, right? Like you can play corner, he can play wide receiver. I know for a fact, and this is straight from Khalil's mouth, he wants to play wide receiver, right? Like that's what that's what he wants to start with. And I think the Notre Dame staff would be open to it to seeing how it looks, Ooh. and then you know, you make a decision based upon what the best fit is, all that type of stuff, right? Yeah. But so circling back to that conversation piece, Sean. Three very talented athletes on the table, Caleb Smith, Khalil Barnes, Brandon Hillman. I think we could expect two out of three to ultimately be in this class, but we may be able to push that number to three, and Notre Dame could end with 28 players in one class, man. That's that's a big number, man. That is a big number, and a bigger number than I thought
2: for, for a long time here. It, would, it also tells you something about the 24 class, Ryan. Right? Like when they get those type of numbers in 23 – I think they're laser focused on that list of 24 for them is precise. Like they have six, they know who they want. And it's like, okay, cool. We're set at this number and they can be more aggressive because the number won't be as high in 24. Right. And how does that impact the way the kids look at it? Right. Because the kids know, okay, they have limited numbers this year. Man, do I want to play this out? Or do I want to go ahead and and lock in? So it's going to be very interesting. 27? With a possibility of 28? That's a huge class. That is. You know what that tells me? It's going to be a lot of decisions being made from the junior class. That's mm-hmm. what it tells me, like, yeah, well, and maybe it is in, t- maybe it is in, in anticipation of what could happen, with mm-hmm. possible defections from the program. You know, because that's just the reality of it. You know, guys want playing time. Yeah, they want an opportunity to play. So. You know, that's to be expected. But, yeah, for the number to be that high, because like we said, we thought the max would be 26 for a long time,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: maybe, you know, right around 25, 26. But, yo, they came into the season with so many locked up. Yeah. And just remember, they lost two. Yep. (laughs) They lost Dante, and they lose Keon. Yep. Analyze Page. Analyze (laughs) Analyze Page. page. Yes. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Well, well and Sean, this is a great conversation piece that you brought to the table before when we were doing our prep for the show and I think it's a great conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. look, so 27-28s, it's a big number to your points. There's going to be defections from the from the from the uh, roster. Whether that is, you know, expected defections as in graduation, leaving early for the NFL. It's always going to be some transfers to, to a varying degree, right. you know, it's always going to happen with just the transfer portal era that we live in right now. Right. So there's going to be some guys leaving the roster. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what Notre Dame's doing right now, you know, is let's get a bigger number because we can figure it out a little easier than maybe you once could, as far as like figuring out the numbers, yeah. but a great yeah. point you brought up, Sean, I want you to start the conversation here because I think it's paramount as yeah. you just mentioned, right. Notre Dame lost the commitment from Keon Keeley. They did. They had a silent from Dante Moore in the class, and that obviously did not go well as far as you know, get, figuring that out. And the Dante Moore saga continues. I'm sure you've seen that whole conversation. But that happens. Elijah Page leaves the class. This has not been a perfect process for Notre Dame. But the thing oh. I commend Notre Dame for is that they've recovered, man. They have not just kind of fallen flat on their face. They figured it out a little bit. And I know that's one thing that you want to talk about. Is like Notre Dame's recovered pretty well on the recruiting side of things.
2: Look, we started out with Justin Red, right, out of Las Vegas. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Justin Red is committed to Georgia right now. That's correct. If I'm yes. not mistaken. So yep. he's one of the top cornerbacks, and everybody's like, oh, man. And that wasn't – it was a joint – decision. It was a kid that wanted to take official visits and Notre Dame was pretty much like hey we do not we don't do that. Like if you're open, we're open. And then their openness, they went and got Christian Grey and Michael Bell. That's like if you're going to lose Justin Red, that's how you recover. You know, you go get two guys at the position like No, Christian Gray and Micah Bell. Sean, can Uh, I say something real quick about that? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I'll say this. I was a fan of
1: Justin Rett. I mean, he's a height, weight, speed guy. Like, he's got a lot of talent to him. I would argue, though, that Christian Gray – like, Justin Rett might have a little more upside than Christian Gray, but Christian Gray is a better football player right now than Justin Rett, in my opinion, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And I think Micah Bell has got much higher upside than both of those guys, right? So not only did you recover – you may have gotten a better cornerback duo than you originally probably were going to get. So just wanted to put that in there before you finish.
2: No, and then we can go to, you know, the loss of a long time. We can say now a kid that pretty much we thought would be a lock for the class. And Ronan Hennepin, we thought he was a lock. And then ultimately he chooses Clemson. And then we get Ben Minich, a guy that initially when they rebounded and went straight to him, we were like, Okay, but then we started to watch the senior film Ryan, and we were like, "Oh, okay,
1: yeah." He's yeah, not. He's not. He's not a, a throw-in like we thought. No, Ryan. like I was like, no. I was like, it seems like kind of like a depth piece, long-term yeah.
2: backup. I'm like, oh no,
1: Ben Mitchell could play a little bit, Daddy. Yeah. a
2: little bit, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, look, I don't think this was something that they thought would turn into this but you go and get quantity, mm-hmm. you don't get Keon, but you go get Armel Muka, and you go get Uber car. Yep. You yep. get quantity guys with big time upside. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They get in there. Matt Bayless gets them with that frame and length. You talking about 82 inches? <laughs> you know like And length is crazy. But these guys are players, man. Yeah, we would love. And Keon Keeley, when he put up his IG post weeks ago, still had Notre Dame in his top four, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's still watching. Is it still a possibility? Hey, only he knows. At this point, it's it's it's, it's up to Keon if he
1: wants it to be. A it's thing. up to him. He knows. Where Notre
2: Dame is. Ain't no going.
1: Notre Notre Dame's not going to chase him, right? Like yeah. if Keon wanted to come back and you know hit the coach's staff back up. Like we talked about this before, there were, there's, there would be a cl- there would be a spot for Keon Keeley. But Notre Dame is Notre Dame's not going to chase Keon, right? Like they did everything they had they should have in that situation. So to your point, yeah,
2: yeah. So they recover, you know, along the defensive line and they get depth and they get two for one if you want to say it like that. But even more than that, the recovery was not so much swapping in somebody, it was after these defections that kept the rest of the class intact. And that is something that I think most people are overlooking. The ability of this staff, amidst everything that was happening, uh uh-oh, you lose Justin Rett. You lose Dante. On the heels of Dante, uh uh-oh, you lose Keon Keely. And a lot of people thought, just like similar Notre Dame classes before, or like Notre Dame classes before in the Mm -hmm. past, This class was going to start crumbling a little bit. Yeah. And the staff wouldn't let it happen. And these recruits wouldn't let it happen. That's the most important thing. The commits wouldn't let it happen. Mm -hmm. And that cannot go. We can't let that go without speaking on it and talking about it. Notre Dame has done a great job recovering from some of the hits that they've taken. And you have to do that to have a great recruiting class because, you know, Everybody's going to face these type of challenges unless you're Alabama, Georgia, you know. Everybody else has to get used to someone else choosing another school or be committed. Mm-hmm. It's an issue and it's it's today's game and recruiting. Yep. And I just want to answer this real
1: quick, Sean LM20 said so you guys think Keon might come back. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is I don't think he will, but I'm saying like uh I'm just saying that Notre Dame would have a spot open if he ever did come back. Right. Like we talked about that when he first decommitted, you know, Notre Dame kind of said like, Hey, we'll have a spot for you, but we're not chasing you anymore. Right. Like we're not recruiting you. So no, I don't, I don't think he ends up with Notre Dame, but what I'm saying is, is that like, you never know after a team has a visit like that as a, a game like that. And maybe the wheels start turning again. I'm not, so I'm not, no, I'm not saying that Keon's coming back. I do
2: not expect that. I do not. I will. I will say this. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been contact with the recruits. Just going to leave it like that, right? little cliffhanger. I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> oh, look, I'm not sitting here saying what's going to happen. What, right. I, do, what I do know is that the decision was really – like people laugh and joke and, and take shots at recruits, the decision he made was really, really hard for him. And I don't think people can really process that, process that properly. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, you, whatever you might think about the situation of what was going on, you might have it right. But for that young man, it was a really, really difficult and emotional decision yep. that he made. One that he really struggled with. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, just like everybody else, that ship had, like, that was gone. Like, most people thought, okay, he decommitted, that ship itself, right? And then all of a sudden, he still lists Notre Dame in his top four. He could have put out a top three. He still puts Notre Dame in his top four, right? Yep. He hadn't talked. Before he decommitted, he had shut off communication with the recruits. They Mm -hmm. hadn't heard from him for about two weeks. Yep. Then all of a sudden, there's communication. So whatever the communication is, I don't care if it's emojis. He communicated for whatever reason. It could just be low. Those are my brothers, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Communication was there. So, yeah, it might be nothing. But a big win like that and a big win against USC, and you know he's watching. You know he's watching.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You never know. You never know. I guarantee you Marcus Freeman, if a call comes in, I guarantee you he's taking the call. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. (laughs) No no doubt about that. The competitor that Marcus Freeman is, I'll go a step further. Marcus Mm -hmm. Freeman didn't give up. On that, I don't think for one second Marcus Freeman just flat out gave up on that.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's gonna be interesting to watch, Sean. I mean, ultimately, I don't think it happens, but you know, as long as it's still out there, you never know. And if you, and I know people love their, ROM. if if pe- I know people love their crystal balls and all that good stuff, right? But if you really think that you can predict the recruiting landscape, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Like I, I've already made that mistake covering recruiting, where I was like, "Oh, that's definitely not going to happen," and then something happens. And you're just like parents.
2: We're talking about parents. I'm talking about seventeen-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. When I yell emotions. It's just too many, yeah. too many things. Too yep.
1: things. yep, too many, too many outliers, and too many question marks, and too many ch- things changing, and uh, we're not going to get in the, the habit of of making those assumptions and making those absolutes. I I mean, Sean, especially because I'm a draft guy, right? At the core, it's like there's no certainties in the draft world. There's no certainties in the recruiting world either, man. Like we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So that's a great talking point, though, for the 2023 class. That's what we're kind of looking at right now. 27, possibly 28, depending on how things kind of shake out. That's the number for the class. Sean, let's talk about a lot of these 2024 kids that were on campus, man, because we have some great intel, not only – And some pieces, some articles that we've already put out at irishbreakdown.com. Make sure you go check it out, but also on the message board, board board.irishbreakdown.com, the intel piece that I was talking about earlier. Let's talk about some of these guys. Interesting one, Sean, that visited this weekend. Carson Hobbs, defensive back out of Archbishop Moeller in the state of Ohio. He is committed, 2024 class, to the University of South Carolina currently, Sean. I've talked to him a couple times over just the past week. Talked to him after the visit. Look, this it went about as well as it could have for Carson Hobbs. He is high on Notre Dame. Still committed to the Gamecocks, but all I'm going to say about that is that I wouldn't be shocked if that changes in the future, okay? And if that does change in the future, I believe Notre Dame would be in a very good spot for Caleb, Caleb Hobbs if he comes back open. I'm sorry, Caleb, Carson Hobbs, excuse me for the recruiting process, right? He's told me in the past that although he's been committed to South Carolina and he loves South Carolina, that he's still open to the process, right? Trying to find cool. the best fit for him. So, you know, we could talk about the validity of that statement, whatever. All I know is that Carson Hobbs is high on Notre Dame. And if things do change in his commitment to South Carolina, which I would not be shocked about, I do think Notre Dame would be in very good position for Carson. So he is yeah. six foot six, one long corner athletic, you know, out of the state of Ohio so keep an eye on Carson Hobbs. he's one Sean I know you've probably heard about about you know this background a little bit <laughs> so I was told by multiple sources that probably the biggest needle moving move um, biggest needle moving visit this weekend was Aeneas Williams running <laughs> back out of the state of Missouri who out of Hannibal High school Yeah. 5'10, 195, 200 pound running back. Going to get a lot of comparisons to Kyron Williams, I think, on the next level if he ends up at Notre Dame. So, Sean, backstory on him. He is Missouri's all time leading rusher, and he is only a high school junior already. <laughs> already. And he has very high opinions in Notre Dame. He did come again to the visit. And he also has a lot of. Premier schools coming after him now, Sean. Like he goes to a Hannibal's a smaller level in the state of Missouri. So he doesn't play against the best competition, which is why yeah. his stats are just so outrageous. And he's also a really good defensive back for his team as well, and a good receiver as well when they choose to use him in that capacity. Yeah. So teams really wanted to see him, programs really wanted to see him on the camp circuit this this past offseason, right? So they saw him in camp, in person, on campus, all that good stuff. And they saw him, and his offer list has been blowing up. Now he's pretty much a. I think he's a consensus four star across all every major recruiting platform. Well, Notre Dame's high on him, and I will just leave it like this, man. I've talked to players that were there. I've talked to people that were there. I've talked to some people behind the scenes, some sources there. I think that Aeneas Williams Notre Dame leaves this visit as Aeneas Williams clear leader in this recruitment, and the, you know when does this. Recruitment ends. Great conversation to have. I'm not 100% sure on that. I wouldn't be shocked if it is not incredibly long process moving forward. But Notre Dame, clear leader for Aeneas Williams right now in the 2024 cycle after this visit.
2: I think he is the unofficial new member of the Rat Pack. That's (laughs) what I call I got a good laugh from, from Cam Williams when I told him that. I was like, oh, he's the new unofficial member of the Rat Pack. But no. Cam Williams told me, like, I'm locked in. He said, my two guys are Ryan Wingo and Aeneas Williams. You know, just happens to be two Missouri slash St. Louis area guys. So the proximity, the friendship they built. And he put out a tweet saying, yeah, I told him. He knows the message. And whatever message was given came across pretty well based upon your conversation with the people connected to him. So, look, I don't care what level this young man plays on. Mm-hmm. This man is the all-time leading rusher in a state stocked with talent every year, yeah. and he still has a full season left. This <laughs> Look, Alabama wants him. If Alabama yeah. wants you as a running back, it's a pretty good sign you're a pretty good running back. George yes. wants him. If Georgia wants you as a running back, it's a pretty good sign that you're a pretty good running back. So especially
1: if they're going to a lower level Missouri school, right? Yes. Like that I think mean, that speaks volumes to yeah. the talent level that he has. Like it's absurd, man. So yep. yeah, and, and a great, great note because I know you're you're close with Cam Williams. I gotta to talk to Cam a little bit this this um after this visit as well, man. And I saw the picture too of him and Aeneas. Like he's he I, I keep saying this, Sean, but I just want to reiterate it again. He cam williams, I feel like, is to the 2024 class what Drake Bowen is to the 2023 class. That's that's what I'm kind of seeing right now, man. Like he's yeah. putting in that much work.
2: Yeah, I, I, I get that sense as well. But it's so funny when you watch the pictures, the pictures, they're all drawn to Drake. It's so crazy. Like you see all of these 24 kids, and Drake is still right there in the middle of everything. And I think that's the synergy that's been built by this 23 class in totality, honestly. Like, the synergy has been picked up by the 24 kids, and I think they want to continue that. And When you talk to these recruits, man, they – I get the sense – I almost feel like I should remind them, like, you know, you're still in high school, right? Right, <laughs> right. You know right. you're not officially – Part of the team. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cam is a very, I, although he like Cam's a little goofy, right? Like he likes to joke around and stuff, Sean. But yeah. that kid's a very mature young man for his very age, much
2: right? for very being much. a
1: junior in high school. Like he's got it yeah. together, man. Which is pretty. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why he's such a good fit with Notre Dame, right? Like why he just exudes Notre Dame. Like why yeah. it just makes so much sense. Like that's
2: he's, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a good player. Has, are you shocked by how fast? Some of these connections have happened in the 24 class. Like, it just – he I mean, happened really fast.
1: And it, it, I mean, think about it, Sean. Like, the C.J. Carr, Cam Williams, Jack Larson friendship, like, it was just off of meeting one time at Irish yeah. Invasion, and it's just boomed yeah. from there, it's man. Totally like, it really has. Right.
2: And now it could possibly lead to Ryan Wingo, Aeneas Williams, and, you know, we'll get to this guy who actually was the first commit in the class – Mm -hmm. probably deserves more credit and we'll get to that in a few minutes but yeah that class is amazing another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you
0: closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quitgranger.com
2: or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go there now. Let's go
1: there now. Let's just do it. Ready? Because I know people have been hyper-focusing on this recruitment as well. Yeah. Brandon Davis Swain, out of the state of Michigan, first commits in the 2024 class. He committed at the spring game. Mm-hmm. this past year and so sean i mean to the backstory right he's been on campus at michigan a couple of times we've talked about it a ton it's something that he has been doing forever like as long as he can remember right like it's a childhood thing for him yeah so people have been freaking out about it i know you talked to him i know he had a very good visit uh what do you want to say about Brandon davis swain and his with his recent visits in notre dame this well, one of the
2: things that really attracted him to notre dame uh besides his relationship with coach washington which is much stronger and we have a story coming up, talking to him before the visit and talking to him after the visit. I believe that story is gonna be coming out tomorrow on Brandon Davis Swain, and his dad has some really, really huge things to talk about when it comes to the rumors that are put out there by EJ Holland and other schools about visits, him being at games. I can tell you this and um, they love football as a family. Uh, Brandon Davis, his father, is literally livid about the way things have gone down from a reporting standpoint surrounding his son. And he made that very clear. And we put that in the article and talked about it just a little bit. But just to clarify, uh, he comes, the reason he loves the family and brotherhood at Notre Dame is because he comes from a high school and community that has that. Uh, It gave us Khalid Kareem. Uh, It has Matthew Judon, linebacker for the Patriots in the NFL. Those are two guys that he works out with when they come home during the offseason. Donovan Edwards at Michigan is of that same brotherhood. That's his brother. And if he loves going to see his brother play. Like, it wouldn't matter if he was committed or not committed. He would be going to Michigan games to see someone as part of the brotherhood. One of the defensive backs, I forget his name, 23 defensive back that's on his West Bloomfield high school team is a commit to Michigan. One of his best friends. He's gone to kick it with his friends at a Michigan game. And he was very adamant. His father was very adamant. My son is going to enjoy every ounce of his recruitment. He deserves it, and he's worked hard to get to this point. So don't get caught up in the hype of all the false reports. He went to Notre Dame because that's where he wanted to be. Let's remember this, and this is what I wanted to point out. He is very good, friends, going back years with CJ Carr. Yeah. Just a tidbit here that you'll only get right here on Iris Breakdown, the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. April 23rd was supposed to be a combined commitment. Mm-hmm. Love that. It was, it was CJ's dad that wanted CJ to take a little bit more time. And it wasn't until the invasion that CJ finally said, look, told his parents, I'm ready. I've taken all the time I need. That was supposed to be an April 23rd, C.J. Carr, Brandon Davis Swain commitment. Wow. That's what I gathered from what was told to me over the weekend. C.J. didn't pull the trigger, and Brandon didn't waver at all. Yep. He said, I'm doing it. His his father didn't even know. (laughs) After the game, he walked to the office with Coach Washington and said, I want to commit. Of course, he he alerted his father like slightly before that, and his father told him, if you're ready, let's do it. Right. So, you know, he – I think he's taken a lot of look, – look, I understand fans hearing about visits and all of that. Uh, look, you feel the way you want to feel about it, mm-hmm. right? But I also understand the other side of any parent, whether it be Peyton Bowen accompanying Eli on his visits, or yep. whether or not it's a joint visit between those two, if they go to an Oregon or they go to an Oklahoma, dude, that's their right. Mm-hmm. This is recruiting. Yep. They have the right to enjoy every aspect of their recruitment. Right. Until it's time to send in that official paper. Is that about it? Agree completely. However, you feel about that. If you're on the other side and you feel like, well, if you committed, you shouldn't be going anywhere. Well, unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. That's not the world we live in. And there are some people that feel like their children and their young men have worked hard enough to take part in the benefits of the hard work that they've Put forth. Yep. I don't have any problem with that. And Brandon Davis Swain, I salute you as the first commit. And I salute you saying, yo, this is where I want to be and sticking by that. Yes. Saying that everything after this weekend is even stronger than the day you committed, which was on April 23rd,
1: 2022. Yep. Yep. And, Sean, that little tidbit about CJ and uh, Brandon doing a joint and commitment, man. Why would you come to any other site, any other YouTube channel for your recruiting updates, man? Because that's the stuff right there. They always say it in the chat, Sean. You spin it different, man. Spinning it different. Love it, brother. Love it. So that's a little insight into Brandon Davis Swain this past weekend. Another guy, Sean, that I actually had the opportunity to talk to yesterday that I've developed a pretty good relationship so far with. Garrett Stover, who Ooh. is – the cousin of Cade Stover, who's a starting tight end at the University of Ohio State. Yeah. He is from Sunbury, Ohio, goes to Big Walnut. And so this is the deal with Garrett Stover, first and foremost. He got his family up there, got both his younger brothers, got his mom, his dad, the whole family went up for the visit. Mm-hmm. He got he got offered, he was another one of those kids that got offered at the Irish Invasion this, pa- this past year. So Garrett Stover, first and foremost, had a tremendous, tremendous visit. He spoke highly of the energy of the crowd, ability to talk to James Laurinaitis, to Al Golden, to Marcus Freeman, obviously being recruited by Notre Dame as a rover linebacker. They could see him inside potentially, but they also think see him early on as a rover in Notre Dame's system. So, great visit. Spoke to Garrett. And I put a recruiting update or a visit recap, whatever you want to call it, on the site yesterday that came out. And so this is the deal with Garrett Stover for you all. Right now, I believe that we are in decision-making process for Garrett's. He mm-hmm. told me, you know, out there in the open, that it is going to be – he doesn't see this one straying past a month or two. So next few weeks, I think this one is going to be decided on where he was going to potentially be making his – making his home at the next level. He told me that his big things that he wanted to see, because there's been two schools that have separated themselves from the pack for Garrett Stover. One is Notre Dame. The other is Ohio State. No surprise there, right? It's pretty close to Columbus. And yeah, he obviously has a cousin that goes to Ohio State all that good stuff, right? So Notre Dame and Ohio State have separated themselves from Garrett Stover. He wanted to be able to see both spots game day and to feelings, right? Because he's a yeah. big he's a big believer in relationships and the feel. Like he's yeah. big in that that area. Yeah. So he finally got to Notre Dame for a for a game. hadn't been back at Notre Dame since the Irish invasion when he camped there in June. So heading into this this uh this opportunity, Sean, I wouldn't say that either one school has separated themselves from the other. But what I will say is that Notre Dame and Ohio State are neck to neck out here. Going down the stretch, a lot of people will say it's Ohio State's, and that's an absolute. I will say that I think Notre Dame is in this one and has an opportunity here. Right, they need to close out over the next few weeks. But Notre Dame kicked this, kicked this, uh, kicked this uh, visit out of the park, in my opinion, and is trending in a very good direction with Cade Stover. So we're talking Ohio State Notre Dame battle for Garrett Stover, who is a really talented linebacker out of the state of Ohio in 2024.
2: Yo, it just goes to show you that the fearlessness that the staff is approaching recruiting with. uh, Going into Texas, getting Braylon James, getting Jaden Greathouse, possibly getting Caleb Smith. Going into St. Louis, into Big 12 country, SEC country. Establishing that pipeline and continue to work from class of 22, 23, 24, going back even further. Going into now Ohio which most people will say, you know what, if you're if you a big-time kid from Ohio, you might as well just go after the guys right under them because you're not getting a big-time kid out of Ohio. They're going to Ohio State. Well, Brendan Vernon, then minutes, will tell you, nah, nah. We'll go to Notre Dame. And it's the same thing with Stover. They Notre Dame is fearless. They will go and fight Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, whomever they have to fight when they believe this is a guy we need. And that's what you're seeing from Stover as well. And the mm-hmm. fact that that feeling came across and they're, sit- they're sitting in the position they're sitting in, and once again, it's hard for me to decompress right off of because <laughs> <laughs> The news that we continue to report makes you feel even stronger about what we were able to witness and hear about this weekend. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's very encouraging, very encouraging. And then Michigan, I was like, what state isn't Notre Dame attacking right now? Like, they they don't care. I think the only state that they're kind of uh, about will probably be Florida. Yeah, like they went and got Keyon, but other than
1: that, yeah, they've been sporadic in the state of Florida. They yeah. have. Sean, let me tell you a stat, and I want to hear your your instant and uh, out instant um, feedback on it. Ready? Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame, if they get Caleb Smith, is going to have three wide receivers from the state of Texas in this recruiting pro- cycle. That's not even counting Micah Bell. That's not right. counting Peyton Bowen. That's not counting whatever else happens in Texas. This mm-hmm. this this um this recruiting process. So that is three wide receivers in one class out of the state of Texas. Previous five classes for Notre Dame. They had three players out of the state of Texas. You have as many wide receivers in the 2023 class out of the state of Texas as you had Texas players the previous five cycles.
2: That's crazy. That's crazy. And it happened quick. It happened quick, right? Yep. Like they, they planted the flag in Texas literally in one cycle. Like, mm-hmm. we're changing this. We're about to change the entire narrative. And go get some of the best talent from this state and almost flip Nova sad. like yeah. from yeah. Bailey. So yep. it's amazing what this staff has done from a recruiting standpoint.
1: Yeah, and we also mentioned on the boards at irishbreakdown.com a couple of quarterbacks that they should keep close eyes on, right? Mm-hmm. Close eyes on. And there was a Texas quarterback that is in that piece. You should go to boards at com. because there's a, yeah. a lot of good stuff on that site. Man, a lot of good stuff on that board. Uh, Sean. Last guy that I really want to dive into in-depthly, and then we'll kind of get into our surprise interview of the day. Don't forget about that, folks. I have a really fun interview coming for you guys in a few minutes here. So Notre Dame hosted not just 2023, not just 2024, not just 2025, but also 2026, Sean. So there were four different classes on campus this weekend. One young man from 2025 I just want to hit on real quick. Noah McHale, who is a linebacker safety out of the state of California. He visited. And he's one of the top 2025 recruits early on. He was also not only – so I, I got some some tidbits on his visit. Sean, I'll have an update coming on the site pretty soon. But he was offered by Notre Dame during this visit as well, 2025, kid, which, again, that doesn't happen too often, right? Like the board for 2025 is pretty small at this point.
2: Right. So
1: not only did he get his offer – In this piece, and I will just put it out there right now, he called Notre Dame his dream school. He did. He said he grew up loving Notre Dame. Wow. He had a great experience at Notre Dame. He's been on campus before, although he lives in the state of California. This is his first time as a recruit. So Noah McHale, just wanted to put it out there real quick. Had a great opportunity to to check out Notre Dame this past weekend. And uh, it was uh, some good stuff for him, man, some good stuff. So keep an eye out for that piece at irishbreakdown.com. I'll have that for you all pretty soon here. So, Sean, I think the last thing I want to say before we get to this interview is Mm -hmm. I know that you also contributed a bunch of – Intel, as far as some 2023 kids that were on campus, commits, some 2024. You already talked about Brandon Davis-Swain. We talked a little bit about Christian Gray. Not a ton, though. Do you want to just throw out a couple of the tidbits that you came across while just kind of deep diving from some commits?
2: Yo, Christian Gray, this man, look, he always makes me laugh, right? So I was talking to him about the game, and I was asking him, you know, about Benjamin Morrison and, like, just watching him and how he's developed and him and Adon Schuler took a picture with Jaden Mickey, Coach Mickens, and uh, Benjamin Morrison after the game. And he was just talking about being able to talk to Jaden Mickey and talk to Benjamin Morrison and already getting a sense of what to expect, you know, when he shows up and what he needs to do. And so I asked him this question. I said, yo, the DB room is going to be crazy next year. Hashtag lockdown. His response, definitely, for sure. We're going to work our butts off next year to get that nag 100, 100. Yep. Like I said, these 23, I have to almost remind these 23 guys, like, dude, you're like, graduate and go to prom, man. Like, like go to prom and graduate.
1: they are already. What, wasn't Christian Gray also the one that you sent over that, that he said something like, I stormed the field and I immediately regretted oh,
2: it. That yeah. it? Oh, man. You know, I was like, yo, so what was your favorite part of the weekend? He was like, oh, storming the field. He was like, but I immediately regretted it, like immediately. And so (laughs) he was like, he said, man, I just grabbed a hold to an offensive lineman and followed him to the locker room. He was like, I just, he said, "I, I got a big offensive lineman and just walked behind him, and it still took five to seven minutes to get off the field. But he said once he got down there, but he did say this. He said it was pretty cool. Because what the Notre Dame people did was they anticipated the storming and they emptied the recruit section along with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, your front door is busy today, my man. <laughs> yeah, I know. So <laughs> they, they, they allowed the recruits and parents to come down mm-hmm. as the clock was going down. So they were already down in the field. The parents kind of stayed out on the fringes and just kind of watched, but then the recruits just, you know, they wanted to be a part of storming the field, and every all of the recruits went down. It was like a, they were all part of it. So, yeah, but he said, look, I lost every everybody. I looked up at all the guys I came on the field with. I was like, yo, where'd everybody go? So now he's following a Notre Dame football player to just get to the back where everyone was waiting uh, in the locker room and that little weight area up, you know, up the uh, tunnel. So, love it. Yeah, that Christian is 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 funny, man. He really he, is. Yeah. I said, I have- how long? How long did it take you to get out? He said, about twenty minutes. <laughs> it took him twenty minutes to get out.
1: Sean, I I like, man, I literally read that quote you sent me, and I literally I literally lol'd, man. I, I I think I saw it this morning, and my my wife looked at me and she's like, "Why are you smiling at your phone?" I'm just like, "It was funny." Like, what do you want me to say, man? It was funny. <laughs> you
2: never you never think about that, right? You're just storming yeah. the field, going to be be a part of everything, and then that mass of people, you can't like, yo, it's it's gonna take you a while to get out. You're a recruit. It's not like yeah. you can't stay down here. You have to get to the back to hang out with the other recruits and talk to the coaches and players. And uh, it took him a while to finally find a Notre Dame player that was still out there. And then once he found them, it still took him five to seven minutes to kind of like walk through with that. it's a man, crazy experience, absolutely amazing experience. And uh, guys like him and Drake Bowen, you talk about the guys that this is their first time, these guys have been there for some of the disappointing losses this year. Yes. Right? So they had to go through that, still believe, still be encouraging on social media, to the fan base, to the fans that are there, smile, take pictures, do all of that. For them, this was a huge night as well. Like, even though they're locked in and committed, for them to experience this, it was almost like a validation of, their choice. Like, yes, this is what, we, this is the vision we committed to. Like, this is the team we know we are. So it was a big night for them as well.
1: Yep. And I know we talked about Cam Williams, you spoke to him. I know Charles Jagasaw, you spoke to
2: him. He had a really yeah. good time as well. So yeah. I talked to Charles Jagasaw and he was excited. Every time he goes there, it's almost like he has homework from Harry. He's there, right? Just something to watch. And I asked him, did he storm the field? He was like, yeah. Uh, He was the one to let me know that they kind of let everyone come down early. Gotcha. Yeah. And and got everybody prepared. But he just said, yo, it was a really good time just hanging out with everybody before the game and after the game and just being able to watch a dominant performance from the O-line. Of course, that's all he mentioned. (laughs) He didn't say dominant performance by the team. He said just being able to watch a dominant performance from the O-line. That lets you know where his eyes were focused on. The entire time. So yeah, you know, it doesn't get any better than these guys. And like I said, the experience that they were able to get this weekend. You have to look. You have to
1: love. Man, it was just great around the horn, man. Committed players, uncommitted players, 2023 and 2024. We have a lot of mailbag questions about the the recruiting weekend. So we're not done talking about it for today. But this is going to end the first section. This is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour recapping this weekend's big visitation.